You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and the EU Film Festival, that time of the year when we get a wonderful selection of movies shown across Canada from Europe and Ireland has been a very strong supporter, I guess, since the inception of the EU Film Festival. And this year, uh, the film that Ireland is putting up and screening is Redemption of a Role. They say you can't go home again, but uh, Jimmy begs to differ. And it is an hilarious black comedy, the proverbial prodigal son, he seeks salvation for his sins, and uh, he has a pretty bleak view of life. And uh, inside a bag that he brings home with him, he has the noose that he plans to hang himself with. But uh, what he finds out when he goes back to make peace with his father is that the father passes, and there's a strange condition in the will. The condition is, you know, given this is Ireland, the father says he doesn't want to be buried if it's raining. And... Uh, it was more than just a wet week. I have Aaron Monaghan here with me, who plays the part of Jimmy, and I have Philip Doherty, who is director, and uh, Patrick Murray from the Irish Film Festival, Nottawa, is joining me as well. Thank you all, right. guys, for coming along. Philip, I'm coming straight to you first, because, you know, where did you get the idea that you could have rain in Ireland on a continuous basis? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's a stretch, really, isn't it? The imagination. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you know it is a bit of a satire on how much it rains in Ireland, <laughs> and especially in in Cavan. But um, yeah, it's um, it's a wet film, that's for sure, from start to finish. But um, it's um, we we. Created our own rain for this film rather than my mother praying for rain every day for the shoot. <laughs> right. So the the basic um, theme and the basic concept. What was your inspiration? What drove you here? And uh, how'd you go about it? Um, yeah, I guess you know um, the world you see in the film is pretty much the world I grew up in as a child in Cavan. That's where I'm originally from, and so. You know, Cavan is a wonderful place. I have a love-hate relationship with Cavan, which I'm sure most people do where, where they grew up. But um, it does have wonderful eccentric characters, larger than life, with this sardonic black wit, sneery almost at times. But it's it's an art form really in Cavan. So I guess that's the sort of where the tone of the whole piece comes from. But yet in Cavan, like, I mean, it, it is a world where, you know, there are towns and villages and parishes where... Um, the GA football clubs rule like an iron fist, almost like the mafia. It is not wasn't unusual to be out enjoying yourself on the dance floor and get a punch in the face for absolutely no reason. And I guess the parents, um, my parents have a big influence on the film as well because they're very Catholic. I didn't realise how Catholic I was until I went to college and got chatting to other people. Um, but, <laughs> the, you know, going to church a lot and having religious figurines around the house and that very much that whole Catholic upbringing and it, it was a big influence and in, and in how I saw the world through you know child wondrous eyes of a child and um, so all those things I think were in were in, a, were in a spin cycle um, as regards um, the, the film itself but the storyline I think you know I did a lot of traveling in my twenties um, and I just mad to get away and experience the world but I'd always end up returning home penniless and broke. And with this guilt and shame riding on my shoulders and I'd have to return home like the prodigal son. And I guess from that, I always had an idea for a film about a guy returning home with one day to live. 
Um, and him coming home to settle old scores and to look for forgiveness of his past sins. I wasn't quite sure what form that would take, but eventually it made its way into the script for Redemption of a Rogue. First thing that strikes me is, it's uh, I won't say it's ironic, but the two weeks in a row I'm in Cav. My show last week was with Richie Stevens from Arva, whose um, Gangster's Guide to Sobriety has just been published. <laughs> <laughs> and and Rich, Richie chronicles his tales from Arva to Manute, where he got his degree, to San Francisco, to Australia, to Los Angeles. I'm back in in Cavan, so you interesting characters, definitely. And two rogues being redeemed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Would you say that there's a particularity in rural Ireland still that very much is character forming and has both positive and negative to the extent that, like you say, you have to come back and shake some of this off. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you're growing up in, in, in these places, this is the only world you know until you, until you go away. Um, and it does help form you and, um, you know, especially your, your personality and your sense of humour, I think that is. But instead of being, I think I think it's great, do you know what I mean? And even every county and every town has a different sort of, um, have its has its own unique way of going on, and I think um, it's been. I, I'm always writing about Cavan, and it's always been a huge influence for me. Um, but I think I think it, not to be afraid of that. I think it's important to celebrate that, and especially its details. And I think the more specific and more local you are in presenting those characters, the more universal the whole thing is to to a broader, wider audience. We had a screening in. It was the first time I saw it with other people. The film in Greece, in Kimilos, on the beach. And it was quite nerve-wracking because it was the first time watching it live with, with an audience. Um, and it was amazing to see the laughter and hear the laughter around me from Greek people who, you know, it was through Greek, the, the subtitles in Greek, at so much, so many things that I felt could have been local or could have been parochial, and the relief and joy in seeing people enjoying it just as much as people were at home. Right. And I, before I come to Aaron, and I just wanted to... Uh, covered how you brought it to the screen because I know that can often be a challenge you you write your script you need to kind of get your act together literally and get your financing and that can be a major challenge but when you talk about the local so many wonderful films have come out of Ireland I'm thinking of Ken Loach's and the, the like of Jimmy's Hall you've had um, going way back where you had the ballroom of romance there's a tradition in Ireland in a way of presenting powerful universal stories in a very local parochial way mm -hmm. and that that is real strength of Irish cinema would you um, yeah absolutely um it, it's this the it, yeah and having that world that you're you're presenting it, it it's it, I'm doing it as an, presenting it as an honest of way as possible I think it is going to resonate with a contemporary audience um, from other cultures. I mean, we're all humans at the end of the day. But yeah, I think, you know, the, 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 the locality of it was really important in the making of the film as well, because um, I had a small amount of money. I had the script written. I had actually written quite a few scripts. Redemption of the Road was, was one that I went after the most, and Aaron was on board pretty early on with that. Um, but we had a tiny amount of money, and this could not have been achieved without people an artistic community that was in Cavan at the time, and also their huge love for film as well. So, I mean, we had, my brother was production designer on the film. He had an army of volunteers working on this. Um, 
all the, the local cast, the supporting cast were from Cavan as well. I was running an art space in Cavan and everyone, everyone just rode in behind it, you know, from, from people who were used to working in theatre there, from designers to set builders to costume. And it became this huge community spirit run, running underneath the whole thing. And it was that that made it possible with such a small budget. So I'm completely indebted and owe to them without that spirit that we would have had a film or anything close to it and just to give you an example of the inventiveness of the local people we had to make our own rain because you have to do that for for screen um and the local um plumbing service and county council gave us uh, access to the fire mains and we invented our own rain machines with massive shower heads and that was a sort of you know um local ingenuity that was going on to pull this off Two, I have a sorry. So, so two, just two things. There is first of all, I I know what you're saying. Basically, is if you come to Cavan, there is no rain. You had to manufacture it. That's the first. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the second thing before if I you let want, Pat, if you want, it's not compulsory. <laughs> the second thing before I let Pat, Patrick Patrick in there is was was any of this done once the COVID lockdown hit, and did that either caused negativity and the ability to do it or did it help actually help get people through COVID? No it was pretty much shot we shot it in uh, 2019 so um, 95% of the film was shot at that stage and then we did some pickups um, after that a couple of days but no it was shot but during um, I was we were doing a lot of post-production during the whole lockdown, but it, it kind of worked to my advantage in some ways because the editor, Alan Quigley, is a very busy editor. He's a brilliant artist. He was working on multiple projects, but they all were paused because of COVID. So he actually could spend a lot more time working with me on Redemption of a Rogue. And that was, that was, that was really helpful and it was a wonderful experience. So there was good and bad things. Obviously the, its release was, you know, um, staggered and, and, and didn't have a, a momentum because of COVID going to the cinemas and that. But um, I think there was pros and cons, but I think I was lucky that it was in the can pretty much by the time uh, COVID hit. Patrick, you want to come in there? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was just wondering about the story and the the psychology of the uh, characters uh, regarding the rain, the caveat around the rain. Is that meant to be kind of a metaphor in some way, like uh, the father not wanting to let go so soon or needing more time to figure out with uh, Aaron's character uh, what he needs to, like, to, to to get over his uh, depression or or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the rain is, has multiple um, roles as a character in, in the yeah. film. Um, on a very surface level, it just yeah. looks good on screen, yeah. Um, yeah, aesthetically. Um, <laughs> Well, going deeper into that, yeah, there there is. I mean, he, Jimmy's stuck in a purgatory, and a rain-sodden, you know, never-ending purgatory. And I guess the rain is symbolic of his mood, his depression, um, and him what needing to get over there to open up um, and to become. Aaron can probably go into more detail on on, on the character, and also as well, um, it, it's sort of a literary device for um, extreme weather. Um, represents um, the, the symbol of um, the other world encroaching into our world. So when the rain starts, that's when the film takes a rather surreal turn and that sort of subconscious and dream world and, and we get to see inside Jimmy's head starts to come to the fore in, in the film. So it is that intersection of the two worlds represented by the rain, but very much about the mood. And that's when it starts turning into a sort of neo-musical as well. Um, 
So yeah, they're the elements. The rain was very helpful, and it's constantly pushing the narrative, the sound of this rain as well throughout the whole mm-hmm. film. And that that surrealism is that. Were you influenced at all by David Lynch? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, David Lynch would be kind of the um, the hero of, of of surrealism film and that sort of dream world. And probably watching his films gave me the courage to to go there. I suppose. Um, I think Pat McCabe is kind of an influence as well. You know, from from the Butcher Boy. Um, oh, and also yeah. Okay, yeah. the Swedish filmmaker Roy Anderson, who kind of creates a sort of dream world when he, when he um, when he presents his films, and the Coen brothers aren't afraid of the dream sequence as well. You know, very much. For, you know, they pretty much have one in every film, and The Big Lebowski being one of the great, greatest dream sequences ever. So yeah, your influences are, and I think I read somewhere like Bergman, um, Ingrid Bergman. Um, do you know he said the perfect the perfect uh, uh, dream is the perfect cinema. So I remember that's always kind of stayed with me as well, and it does give you a, ch- a chance mm-hmm. to be a little bit more poetic in in in, in picture in telling of the story. So, Aaron, I we, I hope you're not feeling abandoned there. Or you <laughs> <laughs> um, listen to it's great. So, your introduction to this, or when when you saw the script, what attracted you? Um, well, if I'm really honest, what attracted me was I, I've known Philip for a very long time and we've been trying to work together for forever and scheduling uh, never kind of worked out. Um, we, we we both went to dramas, uh, to, to youth drama together. We grew up in the same town and um, w- when Philip finished traveling around the world, he came home. And he made reference to this um, amazing kind of group of artists in Cavan, but what he didn't say, well, he didn't take his own responsibility in, you know, creating a huge part of that artistic community. So um, there was this really brilliant, thriving uh, artistic community in Cavan, of which Philip was like w- one of the nuclei in the middle of it. So I just wanted to work with him and be part of it. This amazing thing was happening in my hometown and. My work rarely took me there. So anyway, I, I, I wanted to work with him and we said we'll find a project. And he sat me down in his office um, a year before we started shooting and he, he pitched the idea to me. Um, he, he told me the story beat by beat and, and, and kind of scene by scene. And um, I just, I, I, I remember saying, I'm in. And I was kind of going, I, there's part of me kind of going, with the best will in the world, I'll do it. But I, I just didn't believe he would be able to do it. Um, but what's kind of uh, amazing about Philip is he is completely uninhibited by his ambition. Uh, and this is like one of the, like I'm a very practical, pragmatist uh, type of person. So I would kind of think of like the amount of, uh, it's 80, raining for 80% of this film. And I know roughly how much a rain machine will cost um, thankfully, Philip didn't, <laughs> because I think if he did, if he was if he was the type of person that I am, he probably would have not written the film. So I just kind of I was like, if you can get this made, I'm 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 in like two feet in, and um and, and it was great. He, he delivered the script, and the script was exactly what he said it it would be. And I think he 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 kind of allowed me to kind of collaborate with it a little bit towards the end and that was really kind of joyous experience and um I suppose the idea of doing uh, a feature film in your hometown about your hometown with 
all of those uh you, you know amazing influences that 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 Philip was talking about, like the Cohen brothers. Like I thought I thought this movie was like the 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 Cavern version of the Big Lebowski. And you know there's there's brilliant references to Edgar Wright films and um there's a lot of Pat McCabe there as well. There's beautiful music and poetry in it as well. So like there was there was nothing not to love about wanting to do this film. So um so yeah I I I, I was in it from the the get-go and at every stage of its development it just made me want to do it more so yeah and and the character of jimmy that um you are you could identify i'm sure whether it's a composite of numerous people that you would have known or whether there were more parts or others but you you would have known jimmy before you ever read the script effectively ah yeah i mean when 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 Philip was talking about the eccentric characters that you meet and that kind of, uh, in those small towns in, in Cavan, particularly that, that, that dark, sardonic, cynical humour, it's just, Jimmy's laced with that as well. And a sense of depression is <laughs> just this, um, and, and you can identify with it. I don't, I don't feel I am Jimmy, but it's very, it's, it's certainly within touching distance that, like that dark <laughs> depression with, with anybody who's come from that black pigs dyke country that we call it. Um, <laughs> so and what I loved about what I thought was going to be a really lovely challenge in the film is that like Jimmy doesn't have any of the funny bits. He doesn't have any of the funny lines. Um, he's not a hero and like, you know, it's not an accident that he's, you know, kind of this Christ-like figure, but like he's an antichrist figure and his initials are JC. All the other characters are the funny ones. They're the eccentric ones. And as as mad as it is, or as kind of, you know, we talk about, it, it was a very interesting take on mental health um, that, you know, this depressed character is to all intents and purposes one of the sanest people in the film. Um, and, and I thought that the lovely challenge in that was kind of trying to come to terms with that issue, to um, to explore it a little bit in a in a very kind of quirky way, to shine light on it, to bring a sense of humour to it, but also to kind of to play the straight character who doesn't get to compete with any of the other um, comic characters as well, and to kind of he's a he, you know there's there is a sense of a of a journey there, like there's a journey from you know, um, despair to hope and from kind of um, doom to redemption. But it's a very, very, um, it's a very particular arc, but it's a very thin arc as well, you know. So I was kind of going, you don't, you don't get to go from one to a hundred in this, from zero to a hundred in this film. It's, it's a very, Philip gave me a very, very thin line to kind of, uh, to walk. So that was a challenge that I wanted to um, explore. And it was, Huge fun doing that. Two things. One, you mentioned that you tend to be a pragmatist, which within the artistic community is, I won't say, always the case. Like, <laughs> um, and um, of its nature, I, does that inhibit you? Um, if does, does it, So, you know, um, your pragmatic approach to something, instead of saying, like as you are saying, Philip was saying that, there's no borders here. There's no boundaries. I can think outside the box. And normally it would be the director who's in the box and the actor who's saying there's no boundaries. I can think outside the box. It <laughs> seems like a slight reversal of roles. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it is. I think you need both. I mean, there's nothing uh, there's nothing more terrifying to me than a blank page or a blank checkbook. Like if you're told do whatever you want, do write whatever you want, it's start doing it. It's impossible to do. And what was amazing about this film was um the amount of restrictions, the amount of time restrictions and financial restrictions that um that were on this film to get at me, it, it forces you to be very creative. I've always found like restrictions are a hugely helpful thing, um, both as an actor and as a creator. Um, and, and in terms of pragmatism, I, I think everything you do on set is actually, if you boil it down, it's solving a problem. Um, the, the good thing is that you don't have to solve the problem yourself. You, you get this incredible team around you to collaborate with. Um, and and every problem is a solution <laughs> uh, to be <laughs> solved, you know. So like every, every day, it was just show up, figure out what problem you have to. I don't mean that in a kind of sense of the difficulty of the of, of doing the film. Uh, it was like, how do we shoot this? How what's the best way we can do it? So what what we found on set was this. Yeah, it was certainly challenging, but it was incredibly creative process. Um, and. Yeah, that, I think that's what all artists are. They're both um, dreamers and pragmatists at the same time. And I think the good ones have both in equal measure, I think. Your own acting career, Aaron, goes back a piece. You've been, uh, you have quite a few credits under your belt. That gives a little flavour of some of what you, where you've been. Oh, my God. I, this is the t- worst question to ask me. I, I immediately forget everything I've done. Uh, Redemption of a Rogue, which I actually am incredibly proud of. Um, I, do, I, do, I do a lot of stage work. I, I You know, I, I wouldn't start out um, doing a lot of work in, in, in the Abbey uh, Theatre in Dublin, which I loved and I'm very proud of. And I, I work with Druid Theatre Company in, in Galway a lot. Um, and I've kind of, in, in, I suppose since particular in the last ten years, but particularly since COVID, I think theatre has kind of been uh, just challenged a lot. So I, I focused a lot more on film and TV. So uh, that's uh, where a lot of my work is coming. And thankfully, a lot of that's down to Redemption of a Rogue because there was very uh, few directors either brave or foolish enough, whatever you want to call it, to put put me in a lead role in a movie. Uh, until Philip came along and um, yeah, gave me that opportunity to show that like you, you could do that. So um, yeah, thanks, Philip. Appreciate it. <laughs> and of course, one, one of the ones that's out there at the moment is the Banshee of Inisherin, and uh, you you had a part oh, yeah. in that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good fun. I saw I saw it the weekend, which was um, I, people keep on asking me if it's good, and I, I remember <laughs> I, I remember reading it and kind of going, "This is." fantastic and I remember when we were shooting it and seeing the some of the rushes and the stills and going this is going to be incredible and I actually got to sit in on a week's rehearsal uh, you know um, for for various reasons so I was working a lot with Colin and Brendan and watching a lot of their scenes more more than I should have been watching uh, up close and I, I felt very privileged to watch that and I just I had a really good feeling about it and then I saw it the weekend and it's it's one of those things you find it incredibly difficult to be completely objective about it because all I see is oh why did they use that take or that's a really interesting way or have they moved that or all I have is questions um, <laughs> but but uh, everybody I know has. Uh, who's seen it has has really enjoyed it. Um, it's almost as good as Redemption of the World. That's what I would say. <laughs> so, Philip, Philip um, while you had 
Aaron on board early on. The rest of the cast, uh, when you went to fill out the other roles, was that a challenge or had your people in mind and were they, did they come to the table easily? Yeah, um, no, I, I, that was a, I really enjoyed that actually because I got the opportunity to work with some of the best actors in Ireland, like stage actors that I, I've either admired on stage or I've worked with in, in some shape or form over, over the years. So, um, yeah, I, I worked with pretty much everyone before in either in some shape or form, but all through theatre, obviously. Um, um, so I cast it pretty much off the table and it was, yeah, I think, once Aaron was on board, I felt a lot more confident bringing these people up and going, hey, I'm doing this film, blah, 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 low budget. But then when I said Aaron's playing the lead, you could feel them relaxed. <laughs> um, and okay, well, we'll, we'll have a read. Um, and thankfully, everyone was up for doing this. And it was just a privilege to work with everyone, you know, from Ashling um, O'Mara to Kieran Roach, who've done a lot of work with on, in the fringes of Dublin Theatre. Um, and Kevin McGarren, I've actually written some stuff with him before. So uh, it was at times it felt like a little bit of a party, you know, getting to work with these people again. Um, but the, um, one of the interesting things was the, ca- the supporting roles from with the local cast. So I kind of threw out a wide net and put up a thing for auditions and hopefully people would turn up to the auditions. But like for Paula McQuillan, who was coordinating the auditions with, with Olivia, um, like we were up on nearly a thousand people wanting to come and, and audition. I had to take nine people at a time. So it was an incredible thing. People queuing around the corner and I just showed the magic of the movies and the, of the silver screen was still there as well. And, and, and there was so much interest in it. Um, but yeah, and I got to work with a lot of people from Cav and that in, in some of those supporting parts as well. So yeah, no, I, I loved, I loved every part of it and it was great to work with them in a the film because I'd usually had just done it in, um, for stage or radio before. Now, what I had heard was when you were looking for extras in Cavan, you just uh, put an ad out said there were sandwiches. <laughs> and then cancelled the sandwiches last minute. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, it was it was it was tricky at times known to 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 cast um, the the smaller parts and but um, everyone that showed up, whether they had lots of experience on screen or not, just really knocked it out of the park. I was just stunned by everyone and their professionalism, their commitment to it. So yeah, it was it was it was a joy to work on it. And it was wonderful to hang a film on, you know, an actor like Aaron to, to hang the film on him and um but yeah it was um casting it was was okay, I think. I really enjoyed that part of it as well. I think um you know I, I didn't have the luxury of a casting director um but um I, I wouldn't want to have done it any other way I think looking back. And Philip, you said the first time you saw it in the big screen was on the beach in Greece. The first okay. screening, the first screening in Ireland, um, yeah. was was that nail biting? Well, no, the most nail biting was um, so the, the premiere that to go with Film Flow, which was an, during the pandemic in 2020, and it was um, it was an online film festival, and I actually it was quite an excruciating experience because there was genuine hype about it like around Cavan because we put up a little teaser promo video and everyone was sharing it and I was getting phone calls you know it, it was genuine excitement but I watched it with my fiance Siobhan and my brother Joe and his girlfriend in my cottage in Galway because it was in the middle of lockdown but um watching the film was you know I never had the catharsis of being in a crowd of people watching it and laughing and applauding or 
or not laughing and hating it. Do you know what I mean? I never had that. So when the film ended, it was silence. And I was like, does anyone like this? I didn't know. So it was quite a strange, and I'm used to that with theatre because that's my background as well. And we're straight into a Q&A. So I, I genuinely didn't know how it was being accepted or or, or received for quite some time. And it, it kind of fed out as well. So, um, and then the, the film picked up a couple of awards at the festival, which is just incredible. We weren't expecting that at all. We were just delighted to get it across the line into the festival. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a, it was a strange experience, and I didn't get to watch it um, with other people until um, until actually the the cast and crew screening, which was quite limited because we could only have fifty at us, and that was on 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 the big screen. But yeah, it was the moment in Kimilos was that moment where I got to to sense it with other people and where they're laughing where they're not. So yeah, it was a, it was a strange one, I think. Right. Patrick, have you anything you want to come in there with? Uh, I did, yeah. I think it covered everything here. Yeah. Well, one of the things we do have to cover are the dates, and we also yes. have to cover. We yes, also of have course. to. Cover, <laughs> we also have to cover where it's available, and it is screening. And the screening starts Eastern time, three three a.m. Uh, on the nineteenth of November. So it's available from three a.m. on the nineteenth of November until three a.m. on the twenty-first of November. And the website that you can go to to get details on that is euffonline.ca. And that's standing for the European Union Film Festival. So euffonline.ca. And uh, it is available across the country and it is as part of the EU Film Festival in Ottawa, Toronto and Montreal. And... um, I'm looking forward to seeing the full movie because just with the teaser alone and the the, um, yeah. the trailer, um, I literally sat here and I was uh, laughing at the, yeah. at, the end of the, at the end of the trailer. I nearly was going upstairs to say, call my wife down, say, hey, come on, come on. Um, but <laughs> looking I've seen forward it to twice. Yeah. seen it twice, enjoyed it both times. Philip oh, Doherty, Aaron Monaghan, it has been a real pleasure meeting you guys. Patrick Murray, thank you very much for joining in with us and uh, looking forward to it. And uh, it's Redemption of a Rogue. It's on the EU Film Festival. It's the Irish entry. And again, that's November 19 to November 21. You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning.